Welcome to the Access Church Podcast. Grab out your note sheet and let's jump right into today's sermon. All right, settle down, sit down. You get too excited here, you're at church. Hey, glad you guys are here. Um, we have a packed, packed morning. It's going to be a good one. So uh, we're going to jump into things as far as uh, announcements, just so you know, up on the website or if you have our uh, church app. Uh, we have signups now starting for our June Mexico trip, and it's going to pack out quickly. We're only going to the teens, uh, and we're going to go to that campus in Tijuana. And so if that's something you're planning on, earlier the better. Sign up for that. And uh, we're going to go down there, and we're, this time we're going to make cheeseburgers. So that's what they requested. Last time was lasagna. They're like, no Mexican food. We get enough. Give us something different. So we're going to make some cheeseburgers. Uh, but they're, they're already excited, just so you know. Uh, to see us, and I'm just excited about the partnership we have with the Tijuana Christian Mission. Um, and so, June, uh, I forgot the date already, but it's up on the website. I think it's like the third, is it 18th? Thank you, Lord Lee. All right, awesome, 18th. So, plan on that. Uh, also, I want to let you know we talked about supporting uh, a group of Christians that are going to Ukraine to help with humanitarian work, to encourage the local church and pastors that have stayed behind so they had the chance to go, and they're like, we're staying here, and then also to extract people that need to get out of there. So this is a, um, I don't want to call it a military, but it's, they have military background. They're going to get stuff done that they can't tell you what they're doing. That's what's happening. So we're going to support them. They need several thousand dollars worth of help. That link now is up on our website. I want to encourage you guys to be generous. And so pray about it, think about it, but give sacrificially because uh, they need it in order to get the funds to fly, get there. They're getting um, just all kinds of different um, needs that they have. So I'll just put it at that. So uh, those are opportunities for you to be thinking about, praying about as far as where God might want to use you financially or even using you uh, in Mexico. The um, kind of the main point of today, I'll give it to you and then we're going to jump into the passage for today. Uh, The greatest way to have favor from people is to be in favor with God going to seem kind of like a paradox or counterintuitive. The greatest way to have favor with people is to actually learn to be in favor with God. What did we talk about last week? You cannot have God's favor in your life if you're arrogant. And that sounds weird because like, wait, doesn't he love all? Doesn't God like, yeah, he loves you. Doesn't mean you're going to get his favor. And that sounds weird. Like, that's mean. Well, let me ask you something. Do you want someone in life that you know is arrogant to have favor and for good things to happen? Most of us are like, oh, right? We're like, it doesn't seem right. The reason humility is important too is you cannot truly experience God if there's an arrogance about you. When we talk about, again, I'm not going to go in the sermon last week. You can really unpack that. But I just want to start off with that, that humility is the basis of it. Because humility is the doorway that we enter to really receive favor from God. And that's important because that's how we get favor from people. And that's really important because most of us think that in order to have favor from people, it starts with them rather than it actually starts with God. We see this in Luke chapter 2. And so if you want to open up your Bibles there, we're going to start in verse 39 and we kind of work our way down from there. But we see this as far as Jesus is the Son of God. He is from God, but He is God. 
I know that kind of blows the mind, but there's a lot of things about God that will blow your mind if you really read the Bible and think about it. And so Jesus now is entering, leaving heaven, entering to obey the Father. He's on a journey to go to the cross. He's on a, he's on a mission, right? And we're going to see how this mission starts off because even the Son of God is going to want and need other people to join him. How's that going to happen, though? And so we see early on how God kind of functions in our lives and other people's lives when it comes to having favor with people in order to accomplish the things that God wants us to accomplish. In, in Luke chapter 2, verses 39 through 40, we see that uh, this part of the story that Joseph and Mary had to do all these kinds of things that were kind of required by the law to be a good Jewish young man or boy. And so uh, remember, Jesus is perfect. Not just perfect morally, but actually he perfected the law. So all the things that the Israelites were trying to do in the Old Testament and they couldn't do it and it wasn't working, Jesus did that perfectly. And so though he was not subject to the law, he humbled himself and, and followed the law. And I'm talking about the, uh, the, the Jewish Hebrew law, okay? So he fulfilled all these things and his parents made sure that happened. But notice what happens in the words after that. It says in verse 39, when Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. Verse 40, and the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was on him. That word grace uh, can also be translated favor, just so you know. God's favor was on him. Now look at just a little bit further down as we go to verse 49. Jesus is a little bit older, and uh, he's a preteen. And so as we know, preteen teenagers, sometimes they do things, and we're like, what are you doing, right? Well, Jesus was the son of God, but he was a preteen. And so uh, they had this time where they went, and they were spending time at church called the temple, and they're doing all their sacrifices, all the things you know, they were supposed to do. And back then, they would all caravan together so you didn't get robbed and killed and things like that. So they'd, they'd travel together and because the road out of Jerusalem was actually one of the most dangerous roads because robbers knew Jerusalem was like the main city. That was like New York City of its time. So if you're going to rob people, coming out of Jerusalem, they're going to have all kinds of food. They're going to have all kinds of goods. That's when you rob them. So they're traveling in these little villages and these small cities together. Well... Sometimes when you're a parent, you don't always know where your kids are. You assume uncle's watching. You assume grandma's got them. Or you're like, hey, pay attention. We're leaving. Well, they start caravanning and all of a sudden into the journey like we don't have Jesus. Now, can you imagine the pressure if you're Mary and angel has visited you and you know you're raising the son of God? You're like, oh my God, I lost the son of God. Like if you think you're stressed in life, imagine losing like the son of God. Like, well, I don't know, but an angel came and now I lost him, right? That'd be very embarrassing. So she's a little stressed. So the passage goes back, and uh, they go back to the temple. And so this is Jesus' response when they find him uh, to them. So Luke 2, 49 through 52. <laughs> Jesus asked, why were you searching for me? Oh, you little smart aleck preteen. I know you're the son of God. Don't be, you ever had that, right? Didn't you know I would be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them, even at the age of 12 and 13, Jesus understood that he was drawn to the will of God. He was drawn to church. He was drawn to knowing the Father's will, right? He was growing at a young age as a, as a child, 
Um, he was growing in wisdom and in favor with God, and he continued that and was wanting to learn and understand. And it says in verse 51, then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. Verse 52, look at this. And Jesus grew again in wisdom and in stature and in, what's that word? Favor with God and who else? And man. So Jesus would need to have favor with people throughout life in order to accomplish the ministry. But he did not seek favor with people. He sought favor with God who gives favor to you for other people. There's a difference. There's a difference when someone is seeking God's favor, seeking his blessing, seeking his provisions, and entrusting that people will then give them favor. That's different than someone that, you know that person that's always kind of seeking people's favor and going around the office and that, yeah, we have a name for that, right? Those are two different people. Now, one of the things we need to understand is that it's not that God will give you favor with everybody, but he'll give you favor with the right people to accomplish the right things in your life. And when you understand that, you can humble yourself before God and you don't have to be worried about being humbled in front of other people. The stress level comes down because you're not in control for all your provisions and for all your needs and for all your relationships. How am I going to move up in this company? What kind of friends am I going to have? You just humble yourself before God, which is obey him, trust him, even when it doesn't make sense, just, and he will provide. That's why Proverbs talks about, I tell us a lot with people who are, are single, young people, maybe they want to date and get married, things like that. And I just remind them, Proverbs says that a prudent wife, now it's written to boys, so that's why it says why, but a prudent wife or husband is from the Lord. Do you realize that's not you finding someone, it's you getting ready for the person that God wants to give to you. Those are two different people. One is desperate and one is living out of faith. So even like a spouse, God's like, I got it, just trust me. Work on your character. Work on trusting me. I will provide those things. So what happens is we get nervous, though, because it doesn't happen in our timing, right? Have you ever been there? I'll trust God, and then two weeks in, you're like, forget God, right? And then you're just like, because it's been two weeks, way too long, right? How's that worked out for those of you that have tried this? How's that worked out when you said, God, I can't trust you. I can't humble myself. I'm going to do it my way. It, how's that? We could have a little testimony time right now. Most of our train wrecks have been when I said, God, I can't. I've got to go get it myself. I've got to go get the money myself, the relationships myself, whatever it is myself. That's why God says, humble yourself and I will lift you up. He's planning on lifting you up. Don't lift yourself up. It's impossible. It's tiring. And it's actually embarrassing. And so we see when it comes to having favor with people, which Jesus would need, he would need, think about this, Jesus' entire ministry he would need money from people. Now, you're the son of God. You can create money, right? If you can change a few, you know, cheeseburgers into like hundreds of cheeseburgers, you probably can create other things. He willingly didn't because he wanted people to participate with him. But he needed favor from them. But he trusted God. That's why he didn't placate to people. He didn't try to do a song and dance so they would like him. He's like, if I just trust the Father, then he will deposit favor in their hearts, even people that you can't imagine when you trust 
God. We see this over and over in the Bible, and that's why if you've read the Old Testament, you've seen this over again, so I just want to remind us of a few stories today that are, that are important. Um, because it's, it's really important that we understand favor is not all people liking you, but God providing the right people to help and partner with you to accomplish all God wants to do through you. Let me say that again, because this, this is really important. I'm kind of defining it, favor. Favor is not all people liking you. Though some of us have personalities, we're like, I want everyone to like me. That's a bad way to live because you become enslaved to people that will never like you. And you're missing out on the love of a God who loves you. We've got to replace that. Now, some of us are like, I don't care about anybody. I don't, I don't need favor from them. That kind of attitude is bad. And here's why. Because you usually treat God how you treat other people. Well, if he won't bless me, I'll do it my own way. You, whoa, relax. There's a balance there. So favor, I'm not talking about that everyone's going to like you. Trust God, walk out, and everyone's going to love you and give you money and be your friend. No, I'm not saying that. Favor is not all people liking you, but God providing the right people to help and partner with you to accomplish all God wants to do through you. Uh, let's go back to Joseph in Genesis, right? Joseph was a man who, uh, you want to talk about betrayal? Some of you experience betrayal. You're like, man, it just, you know, it hurts. Try being sold into slavery by your own brothers. Like, I don't think anyone's been sold into slavery here by their own family, right? They hated him so much that they sold him into slavery and then they lied to their father being like, I don't know, some animal ripped them up, you know? They're just, like, that's some dysfunction. If you have a dysfunctional family, none of us have that level of dysfunction, right? And so, where's God in that? And yet you read Joseph, if you ever, just look him up Bible Gateway, type in Joseph and, and read in Genesis. The guy stayed faithful, he was humble. Why was he, he stayed faithful to God. He was obedient even when it didn't make sense. What's humility? Obeying God even when it doesn't make sense. That's a humble person. Not someone who rips on themselves and says, I'm a loser, I'm a, you're not humble. You're misguided. You're a child of God, so act like it. But don't think that you're the only true child of God that he loves more than everyone else. That's arrogance, right? It's the humility to say, I'm going to obey him even when it doesn't make sense. That's a humble person. Joseph was humble. But what's God going to do with his life? You got to remember that. Remember early on when Joseph was a young man, a teenager, he had a vision from God that people were going to bow down to him. How cool would that be? 16, you're like, oh, I can't wait to see how that turns out in life, right? And then he's in prison. He sold the slate and he's like, have you ever been there? God, you promised this? There's no way you can do it. God, you promised these good things? There's no, there, you promised a way out of sin. There's no way you can do it. I'm mired in my sin. You promised this or you promised that from the word of God or maybe some of us have had a vision from God that, that he's laid something on our hearts, the Holy Spirit told us or someone else spoke into our lives as a Christian, right? And those promises, but they seem like they're just not gonna get fulfilled. But Joseph says, you know what? I'm not going to trust in my circumstances. I'm going to trust in God. You can't imagine God's favor on you, you guys. You can't imagine. Right now, you cannot. I'm so excited for you because you can't imagine the way God wants to favor you and love you and bless you, but he can't do it if there's any kind of arrogance. There's got to be humility there because then you can really receive it and use it wisely. Arrogant people despise the blessings of God. Humble people cherish the blessings of God. That's why God says, I want you to be humble and then I will lift you up. 
and I'll bring favor into your life. Joseph would be sold into slavery, work for a man named Potiphar. So then he's like, oh, things are working out well. Well, unfortunately, he had a wife who wanted to sleep with them. Now, just so you know, when you read, read that passage in Genesis, uh, that happened a lot back then. We don't have the internet. We don't have things going around quickly. Big palaces, lots of rooms, lots of ways you can. And I wonder if Joseph, I wonder if it crossed his mind if I could get away with this and nobody would know. Except God. He didn't. Ran away. Then the wife was ticked. So she's accused him of raping her. So then the dude's like, what? Threw him back in prison. So he's like, oh, God's blessing me. Back in prison. You ever been there? Oh, God, here comes the blessings. And rug pulled. No. And you're like, great. Back to financial disparity. Great. Back to being lonely. Great. Back to a ministry that's not going where, the way I want it to go. All these kinds of things, right? Stay humble. We see in Genesis 29, 30, uh, 21. Is it gonna, I think it's going to pop up here. If not, I'm going to read it. But Genesis 29, 21. But while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. If you're feeling like you're in prison, it doesn't mean God's abandoning you. In fact, that's where God likes to dwell, is in places of prisons. Because that's how he sets you free. You're not alone. He's in prison. The Lord is with him. And check this out. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. He couldn't imagine that being in prison, that some warden would give him favor. The warden, this never happens, you guys. This never happens. The warden would give him so much favor, he would have him run the jail. Can you imagine going to jail? And the guards are like, man, we like you so much. Here's the keys. Just run the whole thing. You're rad. That would never happen, right? He literally did that. You run it. You're the man. That would prepare him that eventually he would lead the whole country. And he had a favor with the most powerful man in the world, Pharaoh. Now, if you ask Joseph in prison, like, hey, how's God's going to show you favor and have people bow down to you? I bet he'd be like, I, I, I think that dream died. That's not going to happen because I'm in prison. But God took someone to prison to the most powerful person in the world. And if he can do that, that's why the Old Testament encourages with these stories. But Joseph wasn't seeking to be the most powerful. He was seeking to be the most humble. And God said, I will lift you up. Where am I going to get favor? You're going to get favor from a warden, a guy that's supposed to oversee the prison, a guy that if he doesn't do his job right, you know how they do it back then? They don't fire you. You know what they do with you if you don't do your job right? Yeah, they kill you. A little bit of job pressure. If some of you feel like job pressure, I don't think any of us are going to work this week like, I need you to produce or I'm going to murder you. Like none of us have that kind of pressure, right? Yeah? And yet the guy still had so much favor with Joseph. He's like, I could die, but you take over. It's ludicrous. I was going to have a phrase where I'm like, God is ludicrous, but that theologically would be a little bit weird, so I won't say that, all right? I'm going to retract from that. I mean, we see it again. How many stories do we need to see in the Old Testament that, that reminds us of that? You guys remember Daniel? Uh, and it's a story, like if you grew up in church, you heard a lot about Daniel, but uh, Daniel was this dude, just so you know, of, of God warned Israel over, and by the way, people think like the Old Testament, God's like mean, and then like he goes through some counseling and in the New Testament, he becomes nice, right? Like, I don't know why people think that. When you warn a nation that you've loved for hundreds of years, not like once, not like one year, like some of you are parents, right? 
where you have to say the same thing over and over and over and over again for like 10 years, 15 years, 20 years? How about 700 years? Would your patience get a little thin? He told Israel over and over again, stop worshiping idols. Stop it. I'm really serious. I'm going to bring in another nation that doesn't even follow me. I'm going to wipe you out. Yeah, whatever. We're God's chosen people. Again, how much love for 700 years to be like, stop doing that. Stop doing that. Stop doing that. Stop doing that. I want to encourage some of you as parents. You're like, you're in year 10 and you're 15. I'm saying, stop doing that. Stop doing that. Stop doing that. God did it for 700 years. Try that on, right? He was very loving and he's very honest. I'm going to wipe you out and start over again. Like, this is a big deal. Well, Daniel's in the midst of that. He was a godly man, but God warned him and said, it's happening. Brought in a nation and they took out all of their smartest guys out of Israel because that's what nations did. You'd pillar uh, and you'd uh, um, uh, you know, pretty much take out the best and the brightest and you'd retrain them. You'd reindoctrinate them. So Daniel's a part of this, but Daniel didn't want to be reindoctrinated. In fact, when they said, we want you to eat uh, the best food and want you to drink this wine because they wanted their brightest to look, have a certain look about them, right? I know we think with social media, it's all about looks today. Well, they're about looks back then too. They used to put oils on and make them look really good. So when they spoke, people be like, well, you look good, so you must be smart. That's what they did. But Daniel said, well, that's not, I, I have to stay faithful to God. I can't drink that wine. I can't eat that meat. Do you know what happens if you say no to the king? It's the same thing that happens when you said no to, you died. A lot of the Old Testament, you just died a lot, right? So Daniel's pretty much saying, I'll die for my faith. So he said no to that, but look what, when you trust God, look at what happens. In Daniel 1.9, it said, how's he going to get away with this and not die? It said, now God had caused the official to show favor, to show what? And who caused it? He wasn't seeking the official favor. He wasn't like, hey, I can't do this, please. Hey, can I give you some money? Can I do something? Like, what, what can I do? Can I do some extra? Like, I can't. He wasn't seeking his favor. It's like, bro, you're just another dude. I know, but I could kill you. All right, so you can kill me. He wasn't seeking. He was just like, God, I got to honor you. I have to. I rely on you. So what did God do? He caused favor. That guy's probably like, I don't know why I'm doing this. I could really care less about you, but I like you all of a sudden. God did it. And it says that he showed compassion to Daniel. He would actually alter the diet. Daniel would prove after several days that his diet was better, and so they let him continue to do it. He changed the policy of a whole nation. Are you guys understanding that when you just trust God, you're humble, he will give you favor with people. And we want favor with people. I want to have favor with people. I want people to be able to uh, favor me so I can maybe influence them and tell them about Jesus, maybe partner with them, maybe just be encouraged in life, right? Having friendships and things like that. Like we want favor, but don't want it so much that you sacrifice trusting God. And we see that over and over again. Psalm 512 says this, Surely, Lord, you bless the what? Who? the righteous. You surround them with your favor as with a shield. Just so you know, the shields back then, they went from the ground all the way up above the head because when you had arrows and things like that, you kind of want to be covered. And so they would move it, and they move forward, 
And so it's a great imagery from them being like, God's favor is like a shield around you. When the arrows come, it just stops the arrows. But he stops the arrows of those who are righteous. Not perfect, but those who are humble and really seek to obey him despite their circumstances. I'm not righteous, take out the shield, and God's like, I love you, but my favor goes with those who are humble, and I protect them. Proverbs 3, 1 through 6 talks about this again, about this aspect of favor. My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring peace and prosperity. Verse 3, let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Are you seeing this integrity, this humility? Like, hey, really seek the Lord. Hey, hey, really study the word of God. Hey, know the word of God. Hold on to the word. Be desperate to trust God this week. And then, what? Then you do that. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God. And who else? Man. You know, people rip on our culture today and churches like, ah, our culture is going down the wrong, 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 wrong. And what's interesting is the angrier we get, the less people go to church. People rip on governments. People rip on sin. People rip on all this stuff. In my mind, I'm like, why are we surprised by this? If you don't have the Holy Spirit, you're going to do very selfish, immoral things. And like none of us in this room have done it before. Come on now. I wonder if the reason the church doesn't have favor with the world is because maybe the church doesn't have favor with God. We're about programs and about song and dance and let's be more entertaining. Forget entertainment. I'm not here to entertain you. I'm here to present to you clearly the hope that Jesus Christ provides for you. And that's a soul issue, not a psychology issue or an emotional issue. But here's the other thing. Maybe people also need to come to church and actually see the love that's being preached on stage rather than they hear it on stage, but then they're like, well, Christians just act like everybody else. And when church is over, there's no difference. They stress just like everybody else. Their language is just like everybody else. They drive just like everybody else. They do relationships just like everybody else. They sleep around just like everybody else. So anytime we indict the world, I wonder if God's like, stop indicting the world. I'm trying to indict you, church. Be humble. Be different. Obey despite your circumstances. And that's when people are like, I can't wait to go to church. I got to wrap up. I have so much more to say. I'm going I'm to wrap up, though, because this, be, this will go long. I feel like, too, sometimes I say too much, like, you need to get into worship and just let the Holy Spirit work on you right now, right? I want to kind of end with this, though. Today's about seeking the Lord and just knowing that God will give you approval. It is not, listen, it's not about seeking man's approval. It's a dangerous way to live. But approval is given once you have God's favor. And again, I talked about that last week, so you can unpack that more. There's some warnings that the Bible gives us and some understanding. Proverbs 28, 23 says this, whoever rebukes a person will in the end gain favor rather than one who has a flattering tongue. You see, when you seek God's approval, you're not scared of people. 
And some of us gain favor by people by not revealing the truth to them and thinking that we won them over. The problem is that once they realize that you lied, you will have no favor with them. It's better to give a harsh truth and in time they'll be like, you were right, or I appreciated that, or that helped change me. And so favor is one of those things. It's not in the moment, but it's in the long run. Favor is about the long run, not in the moment. But that's one of the ways that you know if you favor God or if you're seeking the favor of people is do you say what you think they want to hear or what God wants you to tell them? That's the difference. Galatians 1.10, Paul reminds us that getting favor from people is not about placating to them. He says this, Am I now trying to win approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. Some of us have struggled in our walk with God because you think, well, what it means to love others is to please their every whim. That's being a loving person. That's not. That's called being enslaved to other people. Loving other people is how God tells you to treat them, not how they tell you they want to be treated. I don't treat people based off what they want me to do. I'm not enslaved to anybody. It's how God tells me to. So when God tells me to forgive, forgive. When God tells me to speak a harsh truth, I'm gonna speak a harsh truth. When the Holy Spirit says ask questions, I'm gonna ask questions. When the Holy Spirit says leave them alone, be silent, I'm gonna leave you alone, be silent. Well, I don't like you, awesome. I'm not seeking your favor at this point then. There's a man you're going to meet, Albert Villa Jr. Some of you recognize that name. For five years, I've been visiting him in the local county correctional facilities. He was moved to Banning, so we've been talking on the phone. Just so you know, if you give to this church, we've used your money to help pay for food when he's in prison for the other people. So if you don't like that too bad, go to a different church. But uh, we like to do that because they know it's from a church. Albert did some bad things. He'll tell you. And he found Christ in prison. Uh, the dude's tatted up. If you're walking down a dark alley, you would be scared when you saw him. But one of the most loving men, he started leading Bible studies five years ago. And you think he's leading Bible studies, he gave his life to Christ, shouldn't God just bless him? Well, he did, but not in the way you think. You see, we had a DA here that for some reason did not like Albert. He was on gun charges. Guys for much harsher stuff had been out of prison within weeks and months. He's been in for five years, and check this out, no trial given. Five years, no trial given. Meeting with them, it was tough, you guys. There were some days where we're like, God is good, come on, brother, come on, brother, it's gonna happen, and the other times we're crying. He's like, am I gonna be in prison the rest of my life? Does this DA wanna send me to prison? I won't see my kids, I won't see my grandkids. Trust God, dude. And he kept leading Bible studies. And he saw other guys he was leading to Christ. They got out of prison. How is God faithful? I'm leading a Bible study. They're out of prison. I'm stuck in God's like, stay faithful. There's men in that prison that need to have hope. They need to see someone that's been transformed in prison. They need to see someone that's not a hypocrite because that's why they're there. So two weeks ago, I get a phone call. I'm like, I don't know where this phone number's from. Hey, hey, it's Albert. Bro, what's going on? I'm out. You out? Like, you out? Like, you're out where? Like, out in the yard? Like, I don't know what you're talking about. What are you so excited for? Bro, I'm out. God blessed him at the right time with the judge that said, what the heck is going on? He said, not only is this dude out of prison, told the DA, 
get him off probation. This is ridiculous. He's already served his time. So Albert is out in Corona with his family. Albert, now we're praying about a job and some ministry for him. And I said, you're going to preach here at our church. And the thing that Albert is, he wouldn't change one thing with five years in prison because the men, he's glad that God didn't get him on 30 days. And God said, I have a judge that you don't know that in five years, this judge is going to be like, what the heck are you doing? But Albert couldn't know that. And you don't know in three years and in five years, the favor God wants to give you at work, the favor God wants to give you in a ministry, the favor God wants to give you with a spouse, the favor God wants to give you with kids, the favor God wants to give you, but that's not for you to worry about what God says. You want that? Stay humble right now and trust me and obey me despite your circumstances. And I will bless you more than you can ever imagine. That's Luke 2. This is what the Son of God showed when he came. He came to save man, but he didn't become here to be enslaved by man. He was a servant of the Father, and the Father gave him favor. And my prayer is that God will give you favor in your life. Worship team is going to come up now, and I think you have a lot to think about, right? And so um, here's what we're doing. We got these communion cups, and just so you know, some of you have, uh, you're like, how does this thing work? You flip it upside down, there's a little piece of bread there. So you peel this off, take out the little piece of bread, flip it back over, and you can peel it off and there's the juice. I want to encourage you with this. Communion is not a religious thing to do just because everyone else is doing it. That's why we do lights low so you feel like no one's looking at you. And by the way, no one's looking at you anyway. But I want to encourage you with this. Some of us need to make a commitment today saying, God, I've been arrogant and I've forgotten who you are and how much you love me. And maybe communion today is a way of humbling yourself saying, I'm going to trust you and not myself. And I'm not only going to trust you for salvation, I'm going to trust you for favor. May communion represent that today for you. You might want to take it by yourself. We don't hand it to you. Some of you come from a tradition. Yeah, we don't give it to you. you. You get up. You do it yourself. Maybe you want to do it by yourself. It's a personal commitment to God. Maybe some of you want to do it with family or friends. Maybe the Holy Spirit's telling you, hey, that person over there, go do it with them. Listen to God right now. Don't listen to yourself. And may we worship him because he's a good God who not only loves you, but wants to give his favor to you. So Jesus... I'm just so excited about today because I think if we get it as a church, I just, I'm looking forward to experiencing your favor. And not that everything's going to go hunky-dory and everything's good and birds are singing and all that kind of stuff. But Lord, we just know in the long run, all good things work out according to your will. And God, I think for some of us today, we think God doesn't love me that much. God doesn't want to favor me that much. And they, they don't understand they don't understand how much you love them, that when you created them in their mother's womb, when you gave them a soul and a personality and you knew their name, they, that there was a, a, a weeping of joy that you had of another soul being born. And despite our sin, God, you overlooked that. You're saying, I can forgive that, but I need you to change in order to receive. I pray we would be a church that receives from you today. We worship you, God. We love you. You are the King of kings and Lord of lords, and you are a good, good father. In your name, amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more information or to get in contact with our pastoral staff, please go to go to accesschurch.com.